0: hello and welcome to a new episode of the newly named the content minds my name is ryan broderick i'm an unemployed 30 year old man with a podcast and with me is my co-host
1: luke uh i am an employed 31 year old man with a podcast great that's the only difference between us that and the accent
0: uh my hair is actually almost as long as yours now so
1: it is not nearly as long as yours and my beard is longer than yours as Mm -hmm. well How are you doing, Luke? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh,
0: you know, I'm all right. Uh, it's uh a little better in New York uh, because you can sort of almost drink outside. Um, but that's going away. So
1: yeah. Sorry. Wait. Up until now, you couldn't drink outside. Well, you know, like
0: it's been it's, Oh,
1: right. You've never been able to drink outside. Right,
0: yeah. This is America and not okay. New Orleans or Las Vegas. So it's yeah, it's kinda I was, hard. I
1: was thinking, Oh, you've been banned from drinking outside for the duration of the pandemic. That's awful. And then I was like, Oh no, no, no. You've always been banned from that. That is awful.
0: Yes. Uh that is that is the wonders of having your country founded by religious zealots. Uh we cannot be trusted with a beer outside.
1: In fairness, I should point out the UK British people also can't be trusted with a beer. They just can't also can't deal with the the revolution that would happen if they tried to ban it
0: right no i mean you guys can't be trusted with a beer in any place inside or outside but yet you still drink them so
1: that's why on the hot weekends during the pandemics we all head to the swamps
0: is that true you guys are wait
1: did you see did you not see that
0: british people are drinking in swamps
1: oh no it was it was a new york times piece um where they 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 opened it by saying uh, on the hottest weekend, uh, as the pandemic took hold, British people escaped to beaches, streams and swamps.
0: (laughs) I mean, honestly, daily life in the UK is so grim that I think that there's like that's totally that totally makes sense that you guys are just going to start drinking in swamps.
1: They eventually had to add a correction to say that it wasn't swamps that the British people were drinking in.
0: Oh, what did they think it was?
1: Well, I think I think what they thought it was was, like, Hackney Marshes, which is basically just a big field, but it's called the marshes because there's a river that runs through it. I
0: mean, uh, like, of all the Lord of the Rings shit you guys do on a daily basis, like, I think that totally fits.
1: It does. It does. Uh, but, you know, they changed it. We got them to, to make a correction.
0: <laughs> so you might notice that the theme song is a little different. The name is different. Uh, the format for the show will also be a little different. Um... Instead of doing a bunch of scattershot things across uh, 45 minutes of rambling audio, uh, we're gonna we're gonna put on our our big boy pants and we're gonna we're gonna devote each episode to one topic we want to go really deep in. Um, it will still be fun. It'll still be exciting. It'll still be um, as one person called it esoteric. Um, That's a good word. It is esoteric. Great, it's a great word. It's like a really nice academic way to say like meaningless and strange which is exactly Just my brand
1: disconnected rambling
0: yes exactly exactly uh, we have launched a patreon
1: because we I don't know Luke you you were you were anti ad right so I, I remain anti-ad like I feel like if people want to support us they can support us I feel like if people don't feel like they can afford to support us if feel people feel like we should make our content better before before they start supporting us which which is a, a you know, it's an impulse I can I can understand if I don't appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then yeah, I think that ads suck, and I hate them, and I don't I don't feel annoyed when people say, "Hey, give me money for making this thing." I feel very annoyed when people force me to listen to them endorsing uh, whatever product it is. And of course, finally, we both have enormous dumb beards and so harry's razors won't give us any money so what's the point and of course like the mattress companies i sleep on the floor i know you sleep on a part of boxes well I yeah i'm a yeah.
0: Uh, I, uh, i'm a no bed frame bottle graveyard doomer drain gang boy so my my gen z e-boy uh status would get ruined if i slept on a
1: proper bed i, I just prefer sleeping on the floor because i feel like mattresses are kind of like for, for the soft modern man and i just need to like it's too much luxury.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, if you would like to help us in our quest to become more luxurious and have a better life and hopefully maybe be, make this something sustainable and bigger than it is, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash the content minds. Um, we have two membership levels uh, to start. Uh, For $5 a month, you can officially become a TikTok vape influencer, which gives you access to bonus episodes. And uh, if you want to be a huge supporter of the show, you can pay $25 a month to be uh, the tier that we're calling sociopathic YouTube millionaire. And that gives you bonus episodes, fan requests. So you want to see something on the show. You want to come on the show. You want to like get involved with what it's like. I think that stuff is super fun. So head over to patreon.com slash the content minds. If you got a couple bucks an extra each month, that'd be great. We know money's tight everywhere. Um, But it would be super cool.
2: This
0: week's topic is one that's very near and dear to my heart uh and i'm very excited to get into this i've actually been excited all week about this it's about tumblr cringe and why 2014 was the last good year online
1: it's kind of crazy because i totally agree that 2014 was the last good year online but i was i was never as into tumblr as you and i could never quite get into it i think because i didn't start early enough and i was eventually just looking from the outside being like i don't uh, this is this takes too much work to get into this.
0: I feel like that's the core difference between our personalities. Is that like I had <laughs> the heavy Tumblr phase, and then you didn't. And I feel like that's where we diverge in the woods, you know, or in the that British. Right. That's where we diverge in the British drinking swamp.
1: No, it's actually the opposite because our our culture went the same after Tumblr. Tumblr was like you left the Tumblr forest, and I came from. Um, I I have no idea where I came from. I have Twitter, I guess.
0: That's true. I mean. I, I think it's really interesting because when I got... So the the period of time that we're going to be talking about this week is actually right before you and I met. Yes. And 2015 in the UK online, things were like still very twee. Like in the pre-Brexit year that I was you know, there.
1: We, we haven't considered this enough, which is 2014 is the last good year online. And ever since then, we've known each other. Oh, wow. That That, that is the problem. We are We, we are the problem.
0: We met. And then everything got real bad.
1: Yeah, it actually did. Wow, that's because um, you came. You came to the UK. You did Brexit. That caused Trump. And this whole thing happened.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I single handedly started Brexit. Um,
1: yes. Someone, it turns. It turns out it wasn't the Russian. So someone must have done it.
0: Yeah, it was just me. I was just blogged too hard, and I caused Brexit by accident. Um, These things happen. So I wanted to talk about this this week because I've been obsessed with this new account on Tumblr called Heritage Posts. Have you seen this?
1: Uh, I I have not. Talk me through it.
0: Okay, so the idea behind the account is that uh, they reblog very old content on Tumblr, and then they put in the caption, like, the date that it was published. And it's really, really cringy shit. It's like... Uh, there was a whole wave of Tumblr University where users were like designing the idea of a university run by Tumblr users. There's a ton of like Super Hulak fandom stuff. If you're not familiar, Super Hulak is the multi fandom community of people who liked the CW shows Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Sherlock.
1: A hey, lot if, you of- know if you want to know something really scary, uh, purely based on the time, people who were talking about Tumblr University have probably now gone through university and are probably now like teachers assistants at actual universities. Uh, I
0: have,
1: I, I absolutely believe that's true. I,
0: and I, I feel like that's the exact kind of person that was doing this sort of stuff is like the kind of like student government, like, um, it's like the people who would wear like a TARDIS beanie. Like, you know, it's like those people, the, the people who were like, uh, Doing like vegan potlucks to watch BBC America debuting new Doctor Who episodes.
1: It's super weird that in the UK we used to watch like American shows because they were cooler, and and then or I don't know, cooler like more. They gave you the correct identity as a as a smart person who watched interesting things. Like over here at the moment, all I know not we'll talk about during lockdown is The Sopranos for some reason. Huh, that's
0: interesting. The surprise. Sopran- well, oh, I guess we kind of had that too here. I mean, actually, the big thing that's happening over here is everyone has gotten back into um, Avatar: The Last Airbender. That seems to be like the big binge-worthy quarantine show at the moment.
1: I can't believe they got into the worst Avatar. They should be getting back into the James Cameron movie. It's tragic that's going to be. It's probably going to be delayed by this whole thing. The-
0: oh, I mean, they were so close to getting it to theaters and on time. And you know, I can't wait to uh, pay money to put on a hazmat suit and watch a tenant. Avatar 2 double feature in 2025.
1: That'll be very fun. That's going to be great. Oh, man, I should do really miss the cinema. I, stop that. I really miss movies in a the movie theater. Yeah.
0: But this is exciting. This is the first ever uh original journalism I've done for this podcast. I got a hold of the user that makes the Heritage Posts account and I asked them some questions. So, uh they go by Grump Aesthetics and they told me that they've been on Tumblr since 2012. And they wanted to make a collection of some of the worst posts that they remembered from uh, that period. So we're talking about 2012 to 2014 seems to be the peak of I this. Just need
1: to ask, I need to ask a few questions about the aesthetics of these posts first. Oh, they're so I ugly, dude. Are, are the, are these are the true original Tumblr posts. They're the ones where they had like the line down the side that eventually got so far over it just like broke the formatting.
0: Yeah, and like tons of GIFs used as like reaction gifs like before they got ruined by like messaging apps like like back when you would use like a dancing gif to like show that you're dancing
1: and people would like make their own gifs and put huge amounts of time into making them rather than just dumping a video on a website trimming it and then just being like here's my gif
0: yes like i had in the at this period of time i had a I think it was like a ten gigabyte GIF folder I synced between my home and work computer on Dropbox. Dude, that's pretty bad. It's so bad. And Grump Aesthetics, I asked them, you know, why do you think there's such a cringe feeling with this sort of content? Uh, and they said that it's a, probably a reflection of how the political climate has changed.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, they they think they think that like the sort of tweeness of it feels old and wrong because the world is so dark and and like unhappy now which i hadn't actually considered to be honest
1: i mean what's kind of interesting about that though is that that's definitely true but equally the kind of things that they were talking about have become more mainstream like a lot of the original stuff that there was that there was that period when kind of tumblr was kind of a byword for uh overdone social justice stuff where it, right. all, it all got a bit weird but A lot of that stuff, you know, it did get mainstreamed. It it definitely did.
0: I mean, we live in a... I mean, the idea that the Game of Thrones for a while was the most talked about show in America, you know, we live in a post-fandom world where everyone is part of six or seven fandoms and it's totally normal and not strange whereas in 2014 that was a niche thing you had to seek out on places like tumblr
1: yeah i can't believe they ended game of thrones after seven seasons that was weird
0: yeah i mean i i, I think that was totally fine that they just never made the final season um and we're we don't ever have to talk about it um although do you remember the whole like spiral thing they kept doing that that went nowhere <sighs> also why did that, john no,
1: no no okay i actually so i am a uh... We should actually do this as a podcast, but I am a defender of the last season of Game of Thrones. I don't think it was good. What? I thought the season was good. I liked it. All right, yeah, we're going
0: to table this. Because, like, also, why bring John back? Just so he can, like, watch Arya kill the Night King? So, like, why did he come back? Just so he Cause can he's not watch...
1: Because he's, he's not the hero and never was.
0: Yeah, but, like, uh, okay, we're going to do this later. So one last thing that grump said that I thought was interesting was they said that if you joined Tumblr after 2015, uh, Heritage Post is probably just a compilation of Cringe. But if you've been on the site for a while, it's got this like really humbling experience, and it also means that like you really can't make fun of Zoomers on TikTok because here is literally all the embarrassing stuff that people our age were doing when we were like 21 or 22 on the internet.
1: Also, TikTok is a much better. The Zoomers on TikTok are much better at the internet than Tumblr teens ever were.
0: I don't like, want to. I don't want to subscribe to the whole theory because like mm-mm. I think kids are stupid no matter what, and like millennials are just doing this like weird narrative right now where we have to pretend that like youth means you're automatically cool. But like, yes, they're funny. I think we were funny too. Like Vine was incredibly funny,
1: and like all the people on Vine are still on TikTok. That's not changed.
0: Yeah, but they're older. I mean, they're much older.
1: No, I think that I think the the I don't think that TikTok has anything quite as bad as. Super Who Shylock verse, or whatever it was called.
0: Uh, wait, it, it got longer. I think it finally became like Super
1: Who Avengelock. Lock. This was the other thing, is that of those shows, like Doctor Who, Huge Show... Avengers, huge show. Sherlock, huge show. And then for some reason, Supernatural was involved.
0: Supernatural is still on the air.
1: Right, that's insane.
0: It's been on for 15 years, I'm pretty sure.
1: I I could not name any of the characters. I could not tell you what happens in it. I could not tell you the major themes. I assume it involves the Supernatural, but I know their fucking faces far too well.
0: Uh, From what I understand, it's two brothers, and they drive around in a car, and they fight demons, and then there's a character that shows up, I think five seasons in, named Castiel, who is an angel, and I don't know who this ship is, but the major ship... Oh, I, okay, I can figure this out. It's the Destiel ship is what it's called. And and it, sure. I think it's Dean and Castile. Uh, so one of the brothers is named Dean. The Winchester brothers, that's who they are. So, I mean, those guys have got to be in their 40s now,
1: 50s. Sure, now. but why did this become such a key part of Tumblr culture?
0: Well, I mean, in a weird way it kind of goes back to the thing that you said earlier, which is that like, it did become mainstream like CW TV shows. It it was a CW show. It was, um, so it was like back when CW was first starting experimenting with like young adult sci-fi and fantasy stuff. So like it was very niche then, but now there's like a million CW shows. And that guy, Greg Berlanti produces all of them and like people watch them. I think there's like 15 different DC ones that all Dude, I can't figure out what's going on with the Arrowverse, but, you know.
1: The Arrowverse, yeah, which, yeah, if you're going to name a, a universe after your main character, definitely pick Green fucking Arrow.
0: Yeah, I mean, Green Arrow, the guy who... Exists. Uh, is. I mean, you oh, you got to be careful, though, because you're a Hawkeye defender, so, I
1: mean... I am a Hawkeye defender. He's, he's just, just a good, good bloke, rocks up, does his job, goes home.
0: I think that you project onto Hawkeye, and that your working-class Hawkeye idea is like totally not real I and mean, that you've just like invented this in your head i th- i
1: think that you just dislike him cuz he 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 his authenticity oh wow okay mm-hmm.
0: I want to play a game with you. Okay. Before we get into the story of Dashcon, I want to play a game with you, and I'm going to say some things that either did or did not happen at Dashcon, and I want you to guess if they're real or not, okay? Okay. So do you know much about Dashcon?
1: I mean, I think the problem with Dashcon is that I wasn't into enough at the time, and as a result, Dashcon has just become the ball pool. That's it. That's For me, it's just it, and it it happened once, it lasted an hour, and everyone got there, and there was a ball pool instead. Okay, that's my essential understanding of Dashcon. Also, it's crazy that Tumblr on its own had an entire con.
0: Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the whole story, but uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Dashcon was the ill-fated Tumblr convention. It happened in 2014, and it was by all accounts a complete and utter disaster. Um, It happened in Chicago and I think in a lot of ways this killed a chunk of the the way we socialize on the internet because everyone finally met each other and we're like oh this can't fucking continue like we can't ever we can't ever do like basically nothing like this happened again until like fire festival so clearly we like we had learned a decent lesson and then we forgot it
1: but right okay no no it's it's the same lesson different groups of people. Because Tumblr was like the first internet users where everyone was just like, "Oh my god, everyone out there is like exactly like me, likes the same things." Um, the good bit of the internet, which we, which was always the idea that you could find anyone it, around the world who had the exact same weird interest and opinion as you, and be like, "Oh wow, I've met more people like me." It was like a really good right. way to open up. The problem with Dashcon is that everyone gets there and discovers that's not really true because you know people are three D. They have flaws. They're annoying. All these other things. Yeah, I mean... And, that, and then it, it breaks. But Fire Festival is the same thing with influencers.
0: Because influencers,
1: like, everything's super, everything's glamorous, anything can eventually be turned into 9 to 12 really good shots for your grid. But it turns out when you get there, some things can't. And it's that same thing of realizing that, oh, we're chasing a thing that not only doesn't exist, but has never existed.
0: Right. And on Tumblr, it was even easier to sort of hide who you are because, like there was no real connection between your real life persona and your Tumblr persona. So you could just, you know, the, the, the most infamous story is the woman who pretended, I think, I think the way it works is that she pretended to be two HIV positive middle-aged lesbians so that she could get away with writing a Hamilton high school, uh, an an alternate universe high school fanfic about the, musical Hamilton and she got called out. So then she f- created a fake persona uh so that she could do that. And I forget the specifics, but they don't matter.
1: It's kind of painful. I mean, yeah, Hamilton was 2015, which is, is kind of crazy. Also, that seems far too long ago
0: but also feels like it should have been earlier like like Hamilton happening in 2015 is almost like the exception that proves the rule it's like the the fart that the corpse lets out like you yeah, like right, right. <laughs> like of like uh neoliberal tweed Tumblr nerd culture Hamilton is like the gas escaping the
1: body of dash Hamil- Hamilton's uh oh god okay so Hamilton's um Public premiere was January twentieth, twenty fifteen, or precisely one year before. Uh, or sorry, precisely two years before the inauguration of Donald Trump. But its first production was twenty thirteen, which fits perfectly.
0: Okay. Okay. So then it was clearly created in like the 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 late Obama era fever dream, where like every
1: everything everything had been fixed. There were no more problems. Exactly. End we, of democracy. We're,
0: yeah, we're all ready for this. Yeah. Um. All right. So 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 here's my DashCon game. Here's my DashCon game. Okay, so uh, here, here, here's your first one. Did this or did this not happen at DashCon? All right, hit me. Three cosplayers dressed up like different versions of Doctor Who got sick after drinking someone's homemade butterbeer recipe.
1: Okay, I remember that being a part of the story about people getting sick. I just don't know if it was these people. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be super... That that did happen. I'm going to be super annoyed if it turns out that they were actually... like Three people dressed up as Avengers or something.
0: That did not happen. I made that (sighs) up. I I don't know if that's based on anything. I literally just made that up in my head. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) Here is another one for you. (laughs) Did the convention's organizers have to basically in the room crowdsource $20,000 from anyone who was around so that they could pay the hotel bill.
1: I think okay, now I remembering... I think this was the fundamental like error of it was that the organizers of it hadn't effect, effectively hadn't organized it and hadn't understood the idea that if you you can't just put everyone in a room. So I'm going to say that that one was true. Or it's going to turn out it was like $40,000. They
0: they were hit with a $20,000 bill and They did solicit donations from the crowd um, and they managed to get to $17,000. So you are right. Yes, they did. They did have to crowdsource (laughs) $20,000 in the room. this
1: This again is like, imagine that happening now because you just know that if that happened now, there'll be so many accusations of like grifters and breakdowns and people going through to like, try and figure out what was really happening. There would be competing funds. There'll be secondary funds, for like second vent locations and stuff like that is again. Yeah. It's the last moment where everyone's like, Oh, Hey, we're all on the same team.
0: Although now I feel like it would be almost easier because like back then you didn't have Venmo. So these kids were like trying to use PayPal on their phones. Yeah. Okay. Did they try to give attendees a reimbursement that included free admission to a concert with the Chicago-based Doctor Who rock band Time Crash.
1: I'm going to say no, because it was the ball pit. It was the extra hour in the ball pit.
0: It was true. (sighs) Time Crash admission was one of them, and extra hour in the ball pit was another one. Ooh,
1: boy. Um...
0: (laughs) Think about that that sentence. Uh, You get free admission to watch this Chicago-based Doctor Who-inspired rock band.
1: (laughs) I don't want to know what they sing, even. That's... Wait, so, so uh, I, I, I need to listen to some of their music. What was the name of them? They're called Time Crash? Oh, uh, we should point out that they're, in fact, not a Doctor Who band. They're a Time Lord rock band.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. They're Time Lord rock, which is a genre of Doctor Who-inspired rock. They're
1: two albums across two years, including a full studio album. Uh, okay, all right, here we go. Time Crash, The Last Human Live, playing at The Waystation. Oh, um, I've
0: gotten drunk in the way station. It's a steampunk-themed bar in Brooklyn, uh, and the bathroom door is a TARDIS, and then you, when you walk into it, it is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, which I thought was very clever because it's like, built into the wall.
1: See, I feel like I recognize the backdrop of this bar. Where is this? Where in New York is this bar? Uh,
0: It's in like South Brooklyn, I'm pretty sure. I haven't been in a long time because bars don't exist anymore. Sure, sure. Well, no, I put that on for about two seconds, and uh, nope.
1: Oh, this isn't good. Yeah, okay, that's actually less fun to talk about because that's just that's just not great. But they look like they're having fun, and the second video I found of them, which in which they're playing in Chicago and an opening band for and Alley, who are a I assume a Harry Potter inspired rock band, because you yeah,
0: know. I mean, yeah, I mean the big one is Harry and the Potters, which I think I'm not positive, but I think. My high school ska band opened for them once. Cool, that's and, you know. good for you. Uh, okay, I got one last. I got one last DashCon trivia thing for you. Cool. <laughs> was there a baby born at DashCon?
1: I mean, okay, define at. Was there like was did there...
0: did someone give birth at DashCon?
1: But like in the convention, or did they have to go to the hospital from DashCon? I'm just
0: saying, was there a baby born at DashCon?
1: I'm gonna say no because I just I don't want to know that. If that happened, that baby exists in the world.
0: (laughs) So I am very relieved (laughs) to to, to tell you (laughs) that that did not happen. That did not happen. But it is one of the most persistent uh, rumors about Dashcon to the point (laughs) where there are like several people who claim on Tumblr that they are the Dashcon baby.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because the Dashcon baby, the six-year-old Dashcon baby would be definitely (laughs) on Tumblr already. I mean, yeah, no, they probably would.
0: There are rumors that a baby was born. There are rumors that people peed in the in the kitty pool full, or the ball pit. I I wanted to get some of the details for this episode just to like refresh myself. Um, uh, the fan lore page I highly recommend uh, you guys check out the DashCon premise was that it was supposed to be a large gathering of tumblr users um they described it uh for people who religiously follow various tv shows movie series and book series most notably bbc's sherlock cw supernatural jk rowling's harry potter um and they wanted people to know that it was a safe space where they could meet their friends learn about what interests them and have as much fun as humanly possible in a weekend it was initially
1: called TumbleCon. Dashcon, DashCon is better than TumbleCon.
0: It is. Uh, they renamed it uh, to reference the Tumblr dashboard. It was not officially associated with Tumblr in any way. <laughs> I think people are still owed money from it. Uh, I, there's a story where, like, the Welcome to Night Vale podcast people like never got paid, and they had to like let a bunch of artists sleep on their floor. Uh, in 2015, they tried to rebrand and then uh, cu- and come back under the name Emoticon,
1: which is yeah, that's pretty clever. Fire festival did the same thing.
0: Yeah, and, and then they canceled again. So sure. it was uh, an utter disaster. There was nothing really to do, and it created the most infamous one of the most infamous pictures in internet culture history, which is the ball pit sitting in the empty convention room with a bunch of like weird homestuck fans sitting in it. Um, I really wish I could have gone. I really, I remember watching it play out on the internet being like, holy shit, this is, did you consider
1: going like, were you close to going?
0: It, it almost like came up and happened too fast. And by the time that it had become like this huge controversy, like there was really no, the internet didn't move fast enough at the time for me to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to go to Chicago and like, check this out. I do know some people who did stop by and apparently it was just like a complete nightmare.
1: And it smelled really bad. Fire Festival is a nightmare because you're stuck on an island. This just feels tragic. And I remember seeing it at the time and it feeling like the kind of super internet, super online, super optimistic people being just really let down by the real world. And just feeling like, oh, this is unpleasant. Uh,
0: I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe my feelings on it, which is that like, I don't, I, I love dunking on Tumblr nerds because I am one. And I am someone who used to have watch parties for Doctor Who and I love the Avengers and I I am a giant nerd that way. And I also, if I was 17 years old, would have been completely excited to meet people like me on the Internet. In fact, whenever I did, it was a huge fun thing. And the idea of this taking advantage of that feeling and like scam a bunch of people really sucks. But then also part of me, the part of me, like the nerdy part of me who hates myself for those same things is like you should have known better the people who went but i think that's wrong and i know that's just like the self-flagellation of like being an adult nerd you know you you want to like hate yourself for what you care about sure and that's why you and i are such good friends is because you can be the the the, that voice externally for me and you can tell me to shut up
1: yes i do hate you
0: most people in the in in the legacy of dashcon have said that this was the moment. This was like the the fandom internet peaks at dashcon and then everything sense just starts to drip away. But when we were talking about this show, you had some really interesting insights about what did you call it? You called it the era of mass produced viral content.
1: Yeah, so this is kind of a it's kind of a 2014 thing and I think dashcons a good idea of it because at the time everything was still weird. The internet was As you've kind of just said, like it was slow enough and it was uh, segmented enough that a lot of the stuff that happened on the internet was kind of felt organic uh, and it meant that there wasn't kind of a like a cycle. Um, I'm trying to think when the milkshake duck tweet was because I guarantee that was around this time.
0: Oh, Uh, interesting. Whoa.
1: Oh, interesting. That was 2016. So that is kind of the 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 moment at which this this journey becomes clear in 2014 everything was weird nothing quite made sense but the things that didn't make sense happened in different ways each time but as time went on everyone kind of used to it. everyone knew okay it's the first hour we're going to do memes it's the second day now we're going to go and talk to this person who's involved in it. it's the third day now it's time for this and suddenly it became this kind of cycle where things didn't go through the kind of the stages of it where it was like Big with among their friends and then big among their local area, which because the internet was also local at that point as well. I feel like it was more local it well no, I think it was I think it, at least in america it, it was interesting
0: because you had the national internet and you had the hyper local internet, and there was no way to connect the two, so like shit would be happening on your Facebook at home, but because millennials are so like and millennial Americans like and I think this is true for for Brits as well, but like there was this hatred. Of your hometown because you felt like okay you had escaped your hometown and so all the kids who were in their early 20s working for digital media firms didn't want to ever interact with like the friends from high school on Facebook right yeah so they would then they basically created their own internet away from small town America that largely existed on Twitter and Tumblr and Reddit and in those days we didn't really know like how anything worked. Like I remember in 2014, I was going on TV on like the today show and talking about like this dog went viral on YouTube. And then I'd have to be like, they'd sit there like, wow, that's amazing, Ryan. Like, and then what happened? I'm like,
1: that's it. That's the story.
0: It's like, this dog wore a backwards baseball cap and then skateboarded, and everyone loves the skateboarding hat-wearing dog. And they're like, wow, that's awesome.
1: Okay. Because exactly, it was kind of, basically, it was, it was made for those, you know, the three-minute clip at the end of the news where they go, here's the skateboarding dog. Here's the, uh, incidentally, by the way, there's a skateboarding dog in Stoke Newington. I don't know if you knew this, but where what? I live, there's, there's a skateboarding pug. Yeah. A pug? Um, yeah, he goes on the, uh, uh, he goes on the skate park. Wow. Yeah, Eric, Eric the Pug.
0: Eric, that's such a British name for a skateboarding dog.
1: Hang on, there uh, you go. Look
0: at him go! He's got two. Oh, all four feet. Okay, good for you, Eric.
1: But yeah, if you get to about like thirty thirty seconds through, he's like doing. He's bringing the board back for himself. He's setting it up. He's jumping on. He's getting moving.
0: Yeah, he's carrying it with his mouth and stuff. Wow, that's great. Yeah. He's much better at skateboarding than I am. That's why I yeah, had to sure. be a ruler- that's why I had to be a rollerblader in middle school and no one liked that.
1: <laughs> right, but this is exactly it. it's the kind of it's the skateboarding dog moment of the news and the news kind of knew how to cover that as like a fun thing. But it also meant that that was the whole thing and they were kind of expected it to be more but to, because previously we'd have gone and stood next to the owner as they stood next to their skateboarding dog and said, hey, how did you find your dog could skate?
0: <laughs> But, like, and no one knew, like, what metrics meant. So, like, we were constantly being like, this has been viewed 10 million times. And and no one thought that that was, like, insane that, like, 10 million people were watching the same thing at random. Like, it, yeah. It hadn't been hijacked yet, I feel like.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then and then kind of it, it became the thing where, where people understood, okay, here, a thing goes viral. Here's what you do. Here's how you deal with it. Here's how you... you, you people talk about it the same people are surfacing each time there's like a very small number of people um the one who springs to mind being nits and zimmerman uh who just like briefly had like a three a four to six month period where just like everything went through them and yeah it was it was very viral but then it kind of became another thing where more and more people picked up quicker and quicker and so more people started to employ people whose jobs it was to find the viral thing right and initially that was just that was just kind of like you know digital outlets would be like i can go and i can have someone make sure they're picking up the p- big things on youtube but then your youtube figure out like oh here's a really, really good way to promote our platform is when we see stuff that's starting to trend we're going to send it to everyone they send to it to everyone and then they figure out like oh one of our people ended up on let's take as an example ellen Right. Someone figures out like it got really big pickup because it went on Ellen, so they start talking to the Ellen show. The Ellen show bring on I don't know how many, but I imagine they probably have a three or four people whose entire job it is to find viral things. I
0: mean they basically have like a storyful operation set up inside the Ellen show, as I understand. Right. It. Although wait, is, wait, have you have you seen what the Ellen show looks like in quarantine?
1: I mean, the only clip I've seen is the the bit of her sitting at home complaining about how big her house is.
0: When I visited my mom, she was like, you have to sit and watch The Ellen Show with me. And we watched it. And it's like, it was the most haunting thing I've ever seen. Because Ellen just looks like sick and insane. And she's alone in this house. And she's like talking about like really serious, really serious topics with like people on Zoom. But then she has her gardener sit outside the window. And he just like nods and laughs silently at her. Oh, Jesus. It's utterly grim. Like I I really... I. I it's it's mind blowing.
1: It's that's very Ricky Gervais.
0: Well, it's also like in my mind, like the visual representation of the way that like internet culture has degraded. It's in- no longer like here's Alex from Target, and we're gonna like give you a lifetime supply of like Target bed sheets for like.
1: It was shoes. They gave they. Oh no, Alex from Target. That's they damn Daniel. Them, the shoes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, who I met, very nice guy, Dan Daniel, nice kid. Uh, we met last year. At a, they were all uh,
1: nice. They're, like that's the thing. Like whenever you saw the interview, whenever you spoke to any of them, like they were all just nice people.
0: Of those viral celebrities that I've met and I've spoken to in like the the years after, they all have the same problem, which is that they don't know what to do with the fact that like the whole world was like, you're cute and nice. Like here's a bunch of attention, and then like that attention's gone, and because attention means money now, and money means power. Like, no one can figure out, like, what do you do when, like, the internet decides that you're the cute boy of the week that everyone wants to talk
1: about. Yeah, exactly. It's diminishing returns. Like, the first, you know, 10 minutes of you being viral feels really good, and then it gets more and more and more, and then eventually you peak, and then then on it's kind of down. Uh, which means, yeah, even if you, you have, like, your moment on The Ellen Show, if you have another moment on The Ellen Show three months later, it doesn't feel the same. No one gets their second moment on The Ellen Show, but if they, if they if you do have... Uh you know you launch your youtube channel off it or or, or whatever it 's never gonna feel the same even when you 've got ten million followers as that first like three days of of just incredible viral fame
0: what would you do if you became if you like accidentally became a viral celebrity I,
1: I would just ignore it honestly like i think <laughs> o- no i think i think I genuinely think the only thing you can do is take give you have spend your like day or two um like doing the ellen show getting paid or whatever it is and then just bail on the whole thing like if you if unless unless you go viral for like the thing that you do like if you go viral for doing a dance and you're a dancer like yeah keep doing it right but if other than that i think you know you go viral for a funny thing you do you do it for a couple of days and then bail and go back to your normal life and i think that's the only way you can do it you know maybe it's slightly easier maybe you've then got ten thousand instagram followers rather than a thousand or whatever like and, and just like oh there's this minor thing left over. But then whenever anyone comes to try and find you in the future, they're like, Oh yeah, this person was actually just carried on with their life. And I think if you, if you re reprogram your life to follow your viral fame, it'll, 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 it'll ruin it. You know what I would do? What would you do?
0: I think I were, I worry that I would become insane. I think, so, sorry, become insane. <laughs> I worry that I would possibly turn it into an Andy Kaufman-esque performance art. Sure, I worry that I would lean into it a bit too hard because you know me. Like I'm all about trying to stay punk and authentic, and sure, <laughs> and I worry <laughs> that in an effort to stay punk and authentic, I would just become like an insane troll, and I would be, I would be just be like, oh, thanks for having me on, Ellen. I definitely didn't think. This would happen to me. By the way, the Earth
1: is hollow. I mean, the Earth is hollow.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's two holes, one at each pole, and you can walk through it, and there's lizards that live in there. Who knows? See, this is it. I can't even get a little attention from a podcast without going completely off the rails. I'm at, not at the sure. Moment,
1: at the moment, the podcast seems to be now. It's just me. So essentially, me talking to you has sent you to the conspiracy <laughs> for attention.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just you giving me attention has already caused us some bad things to happen. So I'm not sure if I could handle uh, going on Ellen. So this is interesting, and this is something that you brought up, and you wanted me to you you tasked me with doing this research. Um, You wanted to know what the Google Trends data was for the the phrase "break the internet" because you uh, you suspected that that might have something to do with kind of the end of like the fun time internet.
1: Yeah, I think that was the moment that (sighs) I think something changed. Then I don't hundred percent know what, Um, but in before. At that moment, that happened, which is also 2014, it was the idea that because the internet was at the time siloed, something could cross all the silos. So we're talking. Effective...
0: Before we get into this, we're talking about the Kim Kardashian butt paper magazine
1: thing, right? We're talking about the Kim Kardashian butt paper, paper magazine thing, which isn't really, one of my the weirdest things I found about all this is the idea that paper magazine is like a thing because I I have never heard of it and I had never seen it in real life until. Um, Actually, like, I don't know, like eight months ago. I don't know if you you ever went to any of the magazine shops in central Soho, which is the only place I've ever seen this. Luke, like the concept of a magazine shop is like so insane that you guys still have them. Um... Well, we don't. That's the thing. We have we, we have news agents and off licenses where you go to buy Coke and beer. Like coke as in, as in coca-cola <laughs> well, hey man whatever however yeah. you
0: want to handle quarantine is up to you you yeah. know
1: like right but um i was covering a project i think it was one of the eu protests last year and i like run out of water uh and like it was going around all buildings in soho and i was like oh that's fine i'm gonna cut through here i will stop in a newsagent uh grab some water on the way through and catch up with the protest on the other side and as i do that i'd go into this shop and as i go to get the water and it's got the the fridge there with all the like the coke and st- the, the like coke branding and no normal fridge you have. I so I go to open and then turn around and cover the like the entirety of the rest of the shop is just covered in magazines, and like really expensive glossy magazines I've never heard of. The sort of stuff that only comes out like once every once a quarter or twice a year or something. Wow. But sells vast quantities of ads because I look to them just vast quantities of ads to like really expensive fashion brands. Right. And I'm like, I don't understand why you exist, but then. That means that you have something like Paper Mag, which, I'd, yeah, I'm sure there's a very small number of people who go into that shop in Soho, the only place I've ever seen in, and, and buy their hard copy of it. Well, but- well, when
0: the Kim Kardashian cover happened, it was the stage of, like, my time in the media where I always felt like I was out of the loop um, and constantly pretending like I knew what was going on. And so when Paper Magazine dropped, like, their cover everyone was like, oh my God, look at this cover. It's crazy. And I was just like, yes, this is definitely a magazine that I've heard of before. And I'm going to pretend like I know what's going on. Um, It's also like crazy to me that like, that was a, like, if you look at that cover now, it's hard to believe that Kim Kardashian had the level of influence she did. And then was also using that level of influence to do that as opposed to like, The level of power she has now and she's advocating for like prison reform so it was just like it's such a different world to be like i'm the most popular person on planet earth i'm going to work with this obscure fashion magazine and i'm going to put a champagne bottle on my butt and then everyone's going to talk about it for like a year
1: yeah it was but it was that moment of it crossed the silos which which was the thing that could happen then and suddenly you would have every On every platform you went to, people talking about it. And on every group on that platform you were a part of, people talking about it. And it just just blew across all of the silos. And you're like, oh, wow, this has broken the internet. I functionally cannot use the internet for anything else other than looking at this one photo. (laughs) The the
0: uh, internet has become a Kim Kardashian machine. And this is all we're going to use it for. Uh, for like, well, I, wait, I can tell you exactly how long. According to Google Trends data, so that happened in January 2014. By June 2015, the phrase "break the internet," which was the cover's you know caption, um, yeah. was basically completely out of fashion again.
1: No one, no one ever used it again. So four months. I also think that the function of that happening has also changed, and this this isn't so much from 2014, but it's very hard to think of something in the last let's say 12 months when it was all you could see for like two days.
0: Well, it happens now. It's just that like the stuff that that happens with is so serious. <laughs>
1: like, I mean, it, that's true. It may still happen to you, but without, without making Americans feel like they're not the center of the world, we don't really get a huge amount of Trump news anymore. Um, careful, bud. Hold it, on it, here. It, it, it's kind of like, it's very much now. Everyone's like, Oh, he said something again.
0: Well, wait, and what's it, like the big, like petty
1: British story that everyone's talking about right now? Um, I and mean, we' something to do with uh, Oxford, probably
0: uh, <laughs> I mean I do feel like you guys fight about whether or not it 's like ethically okay to go to Oxford like once a month
1: yeah it 's a, a regular thing you, you just can, you can you can set, set your watch by it and and have a nice argument about, about Oxford no one 's had a new opinion on it in 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 years um, <laughs> but you know why not? We can just have another conversation about Oxford. <laughs>
0: What I thought we would do to sort of wrap this all up, because I feel like I feel like we've hit this this idea that the internet goes in like peaks, right? And like two thousand fourteen, for whatever reason, whether it's technological or whether it was cultural, or whether some combination of the two, it peaked and it changed culture and things shifted. And maybe it was like twenty fourteen is the end of a five year cycle and by twenty fifteen like we're in a new internet, right? Yeah. So what do you think we're doing right now that we will look back on in five years from now and be like, ooh, that was bad. Like, let's not ever talk about this again.
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. Okay, you know what I think it is? I think the thing that we are probably going to look back on and think this is, is crazy is the extent to which uh, viral stars now blow up under their own power. By which I mean kind of the uh blanket coverage and blanket conversations about people like um uh, charlie d'amelio who like is one of the most famous people on the planet and was not known at all like six months ago i'm
0: going if to, to uh look that up really quick
1: do you know who she is uh no
0: wow okay I wow don't actually that is insane uh, she has 73 million fans on TikTok and yep. 5.2 billion likes. Uh, she right. and, and is and, a dancer.
1: And this is kind of it. I'm like, she's fine. She seems to, they seem to like dancing. Maybe this is me being old, but the, the idea that like, yeah, this is the top level. Oh, she's it.
0: okay. 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 I'm not totally out of the loop here. She was in the hype
1: house, which was the TikTok content collective. She was, she came to the hype house, but she was too famous for the hype house. She like broke out of the hype house.
0: She has an alter ego named Barley D'Emilio, where she posts less professional content, apparently, according to Wikipedia.
1: Sounds right. Huh. But but yeah, there was there was a thing like two weeks ago where there was some drama. And she like had a boyfriend. And I, I didn't he- totally follow the, the drama, but she had a boyfriend and she broke up with a boyfriend, and she was like putting like screen grabs of notes out she put, I think she put, she actually, she was quite quiet about it, but some of the others were very loud about it. Um, like the boyfriend who she was with uh, quit. Like, Wait, is it quit? Noah Beck? That sounds right. According There's to of- Dexerto. Oh,
0: Dixie Demilio debunks Griffin Johnson cheating rumors. The, okay. All of these headlines are like, someone like made like a neural net to just like churn yep. out like white people, like celebrity news. Yep. Wait, okay. Uh, Chase, yeah. oh, oh, okay, I found it. I know this guy because I bumped into him at VidCon last year. Chase Hudson apologizes to ex-Charlie D'Amelio after a TikTok drama. It shouldn't have. This is from People.com. He admitted to kissing Nessa Barrett. Oh, man, like, I don't fucking understand, like, any of this. These are This is yeah. all just, like, gibberish words. This is amazing. Okay, wait, oh, and there's more. Hudson, a.k.a. Lil Huddy, <laughs> <Good name. laughs> broke his <laughs> broke his silence on the latest TikTok drama on Monday after he admitted to kissing fellow TikTok star Nessa Barrett following the split from Charlie D'Amelio so this is all on people.com this is great um, I don't understand almost a single word of this
1: right this is the bit that I this is the bit that I feel, I feel like is going to be insane there was there was basically they're all between like 15 and 18 and they one of them made out with the other one and then the other one got mad and broke up and that's basically all there is to it
0: wait no there's more uh, sorry actually luke there's much more to this like okay. an, like an onion um full of, like, randomly generated
1: Caucasian names. Uh, okay, Barrett. Wait, hang on. Wait, hang on. I found, I found the best paragraph to explain it. Former and current Sway House members Quinton Griggs, Jaden Hostler, Josh Richards, Keo Sir, Blake Gray, Anthony Reeves, and Bryce Hall unfollowed unflo- Chase Hudson and his friend Nick Austin. Thomas Petru unfollowed Nessa Barrett and Josh Richards, and Nessa unfollowed Thomas and Chase. Jaden and Josh both shared sentiments on Twitter about fake people.
0: <laughs> wait, wait, where is that from? <laughs>
1: Uh, this is from 17.com Okay uh, well, Bryce, kind of... Bryce also chimed in Then Charlie's mum Heidi posted an Instagram story Featuring two angry face emojis <laughs> Charlie also shared An Instagram pitch With pic, Instagram with the caption Your loss Wow She she then tweeted I hope she was worth it But then later deleted the tweet That's when Chase Came in to clarify What was going on
0: <laughs> Okay so my article Has the same The same sense deleted tweet I hope she was worth it Smiley face And then deleted All of her Instagram pictures But apparently Nessa Barrett is TikTok star Josh Richards' ex-girlfriend. And Hudson, Chase Hudson, little (laughs) huddy, is rumored, according to People.com, to have sent her an inappropriate text while dating
1: D'Amelio, which he denies. Right. This is kind of like my point, though, that this is a completely insane thing to happen. There's so much there that, A, you know, it's a bunch of teenagers who... This is, this is just high school drama and that's, like, it's fine. It, it happens. But it's high school drama that happens in public to 17-year-olds to still. Like, one of the reasons that kind of, like, celebrity gossip is fun is that it's kind of, it is a thing that happens to adults but it's basically like, you know, being a kid and being like, oh, do you hear what happened to whatever person? Right, right. And I think the fact that what used to be is that there used to be silos. So you wouldn't really care what happened outside your silo, but nor could you really find out. And if you wanted to be really into the uh, Super Hulok or Sherlock or Supernatural, whichever combination of things you're particularly into, you would have to spend, go into that community and spend a bit of time there to kind of understand it. But now, many of these small communities, like and they do still exist there's so much content about them that it just blows everything up, which means that there's nothing that kind of grows organically over time anymore. Like in jokes could blow up quickly. Like fun memes blow up quickly. Everyone knows about it and it just, it goes and it it gets really out of hand. Right. Uh, And there's no, there's
0: no like, there's no sense of scale anymore. It's all or nothing. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I think that's like definitely something we'll look back on in five years and be like, that was really weird that we all did that. I hope that, although what's weird about this entire question is that, like, as we kind of pointed out this week, is that the stuff in 2014 that feels really cringe feels really cringe because it was sort of the prototype for how all of culture went. So in a lot of ways, like, it could be that, like, following Sway House drama across 19 Instagram accounts is the blueprint for how like all of reality will work five years from now.
1: True. But I think part of the reason why it now works is that there are many people who can do that. And it used to be that that was a kind of a, it was a more minor skill yeah but now anyone can follow this drama across everywhere. so it it becomes a you don't keep finding things out. It just all blows up immediately. Should like, we uh, should we have like a big fight and like people can like take sides? I don't that would require us to like have a like strong relationship that broke down and I don't think we're at that point
0: you uh you're jealous of my new friendship with <laughs> Lil fishy who is a um, an emo trap artist that uh, I've been making beats for. Wait, okay. That's the lesson of this week is that the only way to truly change how we operate on the internet is through cringe as a, as a constructive force only through secondhand embarrassment and like being able to look ourselves in the mirror and go, yikes, that's, that's, that's cringe as hell, bro. That's when we change things and that's how we change things. So the first step is to start feeling more shame and embarrassment.
1: And then only then can we fix the internet shame so what you're saying what you're saying because it's, it's dangerous close we're getting is that everyone should be shamed more <laughs> because i feel like we've discovered that that has not worked
0: yeah i i, I gotta work on that a bit Wait, uh, welcome to uh, the last part of our show. We do this every week as uh, a little wind down. It's called the content you consume to stay sane.
1: What have uh, what have you been consuming recently?
0: I am so deeply obsessed with 90 Day Fiancé and the various spin-offs of the reality show 90 Day Fiancé that I think it's giving me brain damage. Um are you familiar with the premise of the show at all?
1: I'm am f- familiar with the Ed guy. That's the only bit I'm familiar with. Oh yeah. As a result, I'm familiar with the premise.
0: So yeah, Ed. He used to be very handsome in the '80s, but then his neck started to fuse into his body because of like a rare condition, and now he like kind of looks like a like an armadillo. Kind of. Um, he's pretty awful. Um, everyone on the show is very awful. The season that I'm watching right now, because I'm going through the back seasons, the season I'm watching right now. There's like a guy who was like absolutely catfished by a woman from Ukraine. And then the woman from Ukraine tried to uh, use the conflict in the Donbass as a way to get out of meeting with him. So that was pretty interesting. But he had like no concept of like the conflict in Ukraine at the time. So like that was kind of funny to watch. Uh, Another one is this like really horrible 50 year old white woman Trump supporter who goes to Nigeria. And then she's just like really awful to her Nigerian husband. Uh, my favorite one, couple is a guy named Paul.
1: Sorry, so sorry, sorry, so it's all just American men going to other countries to find. Because I kind of thought that was a, a breakout that it was that one guy who went to Thailand. But it's it's all they're all going to other countries to
0: find. No, them. there's a bunch of there's a bunch of different versions of the show. So there's there's ninety day fiance, which is that they do the K one visa for ninety days, and then the people from outside of America come to America and they get married. Right, and then okay. they follow that process. I'm a big fan of. I think it's called before the 90 days or 90 day fiance the other way. I can't remember all the names of this, but the ones that I like watching are the ones where Americans go overseas because these Americans are like really, really, really bad at going overseas. And it's just like, it really hits all the pleasure centers of my, of my brain. And so the one that I really like, it's a, Oh, actually the season I'm watching right now has a completely sociopathic British guy. So all of them, Luke, what's the content that you're consuming to stay sane? Well,
1: Long-time listeners may know what's coming next, but I have finished the Robert Caro books. uh, All four of them. So I'm now waiting for yet another old man to finish the final books in the series. Hopefully quickly. There's a race against time. Um, And so these books are about
0: uh, the president, Lyndon B. Johnson?
1: They're about the president, Lyndon B. Johnson. Uh, I worked it out. It's slightly under 4,000 pages in total. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, it's it's a lot of content. Uh, They are... They're fascinating books. They're incredible books. And I can't tell whether I'm more obsessed with like the, the Lyndon B. Johnson or the the, gu- the guy who is so upset, obsessed enough to write them because it is it is a deranged project to undertake. Like he's been writing these since he, the first one was published in like 18, 1982 and he worked on it for 10 years beforehand. So like so he's been working on these books for 50 years essentially. What's like your favorite Beege fact? I mean the fun the, all the, the all the facts about him are kind of like interesting but low-key like quite tragic you know, i think i think the thing that i that blows my mind about him most is that he just grew up in like the wilds of texas without shoes in like a a, a house with a with with a, like, a dog run through it so so literally a gap in the middle of it where the dogs are supposed to run through and like his dad like lost all his land repeatedly um and he just grew up like dirt poor basically Uh, while also being like not a very nice person and was never a nice person uh, and repeatedly fixed elections, including, including he fixed his first Senate race that he lost because he didn't fix it well enough. He fixed his second Senate race, which he definitely did. He won because he fixed it more effectively. But there is a very heavily implication and it seems to make sense that uh, he fixed the 1960 election that kennedy won when he was vice president
0: you heard it here first folks on this internet culture no. podcast lyndon b johnson fixed the 1960 election and we're gonna dedicate the next six episodes of this show <laughs> getting into it let's serial this shit
1: <laughs> he fixed the election i'm sorry he fixed he, john f kennedy was elected in a fixed election in a new show from garbage <laughs> media <laughs> productions comes
0: the beach the inside story of how Lyndon B. Johnson fixed the election of 1960.
1: Ryan, I think you should read a thousand words of a Lyndon Johnson book for Book Club next week.
0: Okay, if we get a hundred subscribers on Patreon but by the end of the month, let's say, I will do a private live stream for those people where I will read I <laughs> will read as much of that Lyndon B. Johnson book as I physically can until people are just no longer watching. I'll just go,
1: and we'll just see what happens. Into it. Into it. Cool. Um
0: Luke, you got uh, got anything else you want to say?
1: Uh, I don't have anything else. Um, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> 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 the last thing I wanted to say was you should read a thousand words of that Linda B. Johnson book. <laughs>